0: Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast.
1: Inside Slant Podcast?
0: Brought to you by
2: jayhawkslant.com. Shay, where do you rank Bill Self's class?
3: It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country.
2: Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment?
0: Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class.
2: For all of the latest KU news, analysis,
0: and discussion, go online to Jayhawkslant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from (laughs)
2: Jayhawkslant.com. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from Jayhawkslant.com. And man, we have another jam-packed show that we're bringing your way tonight. The Jayhawks fresh off a massive win last night. I say massive because it's big and high profile. But like Coach Self said, it's just the very beginning of the year. Big win over Kentucky, and now they are headed off to Hawaii for the Maui Invitational foremost on everybody's mind, though, is the matchup with Kansas State this weekend. It is the Sunflower Showdown on tap for Saturday. We'll get into our predictions. We'll hear from Kansas State color analyst Stan Weber, get his thoughts on the game, and find out what he has seen from Lance Leipold. We'll also hear from KU quarterback commit Isaiah Marshall, who attended his first game last weekend. Hear his thoughts on his visit at what really couldn't be a more perfect time, given the situation with quarterback injuries for the Jayhawks. Then we'll wrap it up with what could be one of the most stacked visitors list for a Kansas football home game that we have seen in years. Before we get into all that, let me go ahead and bring in our man on the Kansas basketball beat, my buddy Shay Wilderbor. Shay, how you doing today?
3: I'm doing well, buddy. The, d- the next day, listen, no matter what, the sun always is going to rise. But, you know, after a big win, that sun's always a little bit greater when you check that message board. So I'm good, man. I'm I'm, I'm blessed to be here. The, you know, my son, I'm sitting here with my son. He's ramping. I'm getting ready for the holidays and got the lights kicking. And KU's number one, 3-0, and o big football game Saturday. So life is definitely good, man. I'm, I'm I'm blessed to be here.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Let's go ahead and bring in our man on the Kansas football beat, uh, the publisher of Jayhawk Slant, my friend John Kirby. JK, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, what Shay said. He said, uh, the sun always comes up. I remember Mark Mangino always used to say, I asked him one time, I said, Coach, what's it like on a Monday after a big win? He goes, and you know Mangino, how he used to talk, and he'd go, he'd go, Curb, the coffee just tastes a little better. Right. (laughs) That's That's what Mangino used to tell me. He would say, the coffee just tastes a
2: little better. You know, All I can right. almost hear his voice. You know, John, the coffee just tastes a little better. I, Here's I don't... the thing,
3: Randy. Right too, and John knows this. This, and I didn't know. I mean, I knew this, but I didn't. Both of these fan bases, after a loss, are extremely, extremely, extremely passionate. I mean, mm-hmm. these aren't. I mean, I'm just not not talking like knowledgeable, a knowledgeable fan base. I mean, like I checked the, the the Memorial Stadium suite too, and these guys and females, whoever, are passionate.
2: Passionate, passionate people. I mean, there's we, no doubt about it. We have some really educated football right. fans too, and, right. and that's that's the thing that I always enjoy. You know, we always talk about posts, and and we'll get into this thing here in just a minute. But C.W. O'Brien is a poster that I actually got acquainted with when I was back in my first recruiting coverage position when I was working for Scout.com. He was over on 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 the other site, and. You know, when I came to came over here to work for John and Rivals and got on the slant, I saw that he was over here and I've always enjoyed reading his post. And the amount of insight and just analysis and understanding of the game that he brings is is fantastic. He's one of the people that I always look forward to reading what he has to say after the game because A, you know it's gonna be very measured, B, it's gonna have a lot of intelligence and thought behind it. And C, he he does a great job of putting people in their place with some well-placed facts here and there. Right. Well, I think so, guys
0: too, and, and i say this, w- you know, when you talk about posters and the passionate fans, that's why we're here, right? Yes. I mean, that, that's That's why we're doing a podcast and that's why, you know, a Rivals and a 247, that, that that's why those places exist because those fans are like that. And, you know, when when fans get fired up and they post on our board and they're upset, man, a lot of times I let them go, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what that's what it's there for. And they, they want a voice. And then you got guys, they'll come on and they'll like try to get the board riled up. And, and you know, there's guys, you know, the funny thing is, is when some people get so fired up, they can't tell when the other guys are joking. Because there's, there's a <laughs> handful of guys that you just laugh at, you roll your eyes, and you just move right on down the board. Like, I see it. I chuckle and I just move on. It doesn't even phase me, you know, right. but, uh-huh. but some people get fired up about, you know, their teams. And, you know, I, I always, my, every now and then my, I'll say something, what was posted and my wife will be like, wow. And I'm like, Cindy, without these guys, we don't have jobs. So I mean, <laughs> right. right.
2: And, and, and then after all that, then there's more steam whistle.
3: Oh, my guy, my guy. <laughs>
2: I don't even really know how to describe or categorize him, but he is there. And I am just so glad that he is there. Right. He's
0: a he's a man of the people.
2: He yes, is, he, sure. he <laughs> is a man of the people. And and he asked the question that everybody wants to answer to. John, you what should get him into a you. John lunch? should
3: get him into a, a, a press conference.
0: Oh. Uh, I, oh boy. I I don't want to lose my credential. <laughs>
3: Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, no, but I, I love the guys on the board. It's and I know we got to get going, but it's entertaining. I, I just think that knowledgeable fan base, people that are passionate, and then you know you've you've got the guys that kind of um, bring light to certain situations, and kind of w- when things people get upset, they're the guys that kind of lighten the load a little bit. So
2: I, I just you know I, I love I love both boards for sure. You know, and it's it's a great segue, Shay. We had just. Huge, like I say, high-profile matchup last night against Kentucky in the Champions Classic. It was a nail biter, but the Jayhawks managed to come back and win with a a really, you know, Coach Self called it a program win, and that's exactly what it was. What do you take away from that win last night?
3: Yeah, Randy, you know they got the Kansas. You know, coming into this game, they hadn't trailed at all all season long. You know, they'd put up 99 points the first two games, had never trailed, um, and really hadn't faced any adversity. And, you know, you, you look at how that game started out. KU gets out to an early 9-0 lead. It looks like they're going to maybe roll Kentucky in front of a national audience. United Center, Chicago, Illinois, Champions Classic, Game 2. Um, you know, everything was kind of set up, you thought, perfectly for Kansas really to kind of roll into the Maui Invitational. Well, then Kentucky kind of bit back a little bit. You know, they started hitting threes. They were athletic. They pushed Kansas, got up and down the court. Um, you know, this is a game where, and even heading into this, if you go back and look a few days ago, I was on record as saying this is a game that Hunter Dickinson has absolutely got to be a factor. He mm-hmm. has got to be a guy you can throw the ball in the paint to and get some easy buckets. Um, you know, I'm, I wasn't too concerned about him, you know, hitting shots from the perimeter, but I knew that he needed to dominate the paint. And he did that to the tune of 27 points and 21 rebounds that that that, that he had to have that type of performance. Um, but, you know, they're down really essentially 12 points almost going into the half. Hunter goes on a little five row run. You're thinking maybe they've got a little momentum down seven at the half. Second half comes out. All of a sudden they're down 14 with about 16 and a half to go. Coach calls a timeout, and you're thinking to my, you're thinking to yourself, you know, this isn't really going to end well. KU uh-huh. couldn't get anything going. You know, Kentucky was hitting shots. Um, I want to, in a sense, maybe playing with house money a little bit. You know, they're without three seven footers. Um, you know, they've got some really talented guards, some talented young guys that were hitting shots that were getting to the basket. And Kansas, really, I mean, you look at Hunter, obviously had the twenty-seven and twenty-one. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, DeWan Harris starts clicking, hits two straight threes you know, then gets to the free throw line, goes on a little eight zero run, ties the game. And then, you know, down the stretch, they just made huge play after huge play. Um, but you, l- listen, being down 14 in that environment with some guys that had really never been in that situation before and to overcome all that, I mean, I think that's a huge deal. I mean, I, I, I really do. Obviously, you've had Kevin McCullough in those games. You've had DeWan Harris um, in those games. You've had Hunter Dickinson and some other guys. But, you know, the guy that really sealed the game Jamari McDowell with the two free throws hadn't Uh played at all, you know, prior to that game, really maybe a handful of minutes. Missed the first game, I believe, because he bumped his head in practice or, you know, had a minor injury. Um, played a little bit the second game. And then, you know, the third game he comes in, you know, Johnny Furphy struggled. You guys, he's going to be a great player. You know, Nick Timberlake, Nick Timberlake isn't hitting shots right now. He's going to be a player. Marco Jackson, I think. And the thing that I saw last night, especially with Marco and Johnny, those guys were just sped up. I mean, this is a, you go from playing Manhattan and North Carolina Central to Kentucky, and it's a completely different animal.
4: Mm-hmm. So those
3: guys were really just sped up. Um, You know, they struggled, um, couldn't get anything going. The game was a little bit too fast. So you call on a freshman that's played a handful of minutes, comes in, really does a great job defending Antonio Reeves for four and a half minutes. Um, You know, the the last five and a half seconds gets fouled, steps to the free throw line, makes it a five-point game, and that was it. So, I mean, just this is the type of game that you can really build from headed into the Maui Classic because you've seen how your team can perform when it's really not at its best. And you can call on other guys that have been placed in certain situations and have success. And, I, and, I, and I've heard people on the board today say, well, Shay, Hunter Dickinson had 27 and 21, but Kentucky didn't have his three big guys. You're right. Kentucky didn't have its three big guys. But Kevin McCullough was also 3 of 11 from the field. Johnny Furphy struggled. Nick Timberlake didn't hit a shot. And, you, you know, Kansas wasn't at its best either. So I can go ahead and flip that script another way and say, well, you're right. K- Kentucky didn't have its best players. Kansas only won by five. But let's take a look at this scenario, too. So I think it's a huge, a huge um, win early on in the season. It might not mean much now, but I think down, down the line they'll draw on that. You know, being down at K-State, if they're down at K-State, double digits with 10 minutes to go. They can look back and say, you guys, we've been here against Kentucky.
2: We know how to do this. You know, and and let's build right off of that, Shay. Getting a tough game in early in the year like this against a high-quality opponent like Kentucky, it's got to develop this team, and and the things clearly aren't going to get any easier with this trip to Maui because, I mean, the bracket looks like it's just loaded.
3: Right. Yeah, you know, they're going to open up with Chaminade. Obviously, that's... You never want to count your chickens before they hatch, but I'm guessing they're going to hatch pretty early. Um, then you know you got the Marquette, UCLA winner, and then you've got you know the team Gonzaga, Purdue, Syracuse, Tennessee in that bracket. So yeah, yeah, I mean they're going to listen. They're going to go out and they're going to be they're going to have a nice. And I think the Shamanade game will be perfect. set uh, set up to the rest of the field simply because it'll give some of those guys a chance to bounce back, have a little success in Maui, kind of get their feet wet again. You know, and and, and for a guy like Johnny Furphy, I mean, you got, and I'm not harping on him, but but he just looked, I mean, you could tell it was a completely different game. So I think it'll be good for Kansas to kind of ease back into the Maui Invitational, have a game where there won't be a ton of pressure. There won't be a ton of expectations. I'm guessing that that Bill will have the opportunity to to get those guys minutes, kind of play with a couple of different lineups. And be able to kind of see what's working and maybe get those guys from confidence. The the thing that I see now is these guys just need minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go from two games of, um, you know, of, of of playing straight out of high school, you know, where you score ninety nine points and, and you get some minutes to going up against a team like Kentucky. There's not a lot of uh, period for adjustment there. I mean, you're kind of thrown into the fire. Um, And so, yeah, I think the Chaminade game will be perfect for these guys, especially maybe some of the guys that struggled just to kind of get some of that confidence back, kind of move away from that Kentucky game, even though team wise um, and for some guys individually, it was a great game and, and, um, you know, allow Kansas to kind of start clicking again on all cylinders and kind of make a run during this non-conference schedule. Because even from here on out, it gets no easier. You know, you still got Indiana, you've got UConn, um, you've got Missouri. So this will be a really building block and an opportunity early on for Kansas to make a big
2: statement. You know, Shay, before we let you go, I want to ask, are there any developments right now in recruiting with visitors or players you've added to the hot board? We keep hearing that Bill Self and the staff are looking to potentially add somebody for this year. What can you tell us right now?
3: Yeah, Bryson Tucker visited uh, last weekend, and, and there was a time when I really thought that they would try to add him early. And right now, first, Randy, you know anybody, I'll tell you this in the media, I don't care what network that you work for, he, he doesn't talk, his family doesn't talk, so it's hard to get information. R- right now, I don't see anything happening with that um, situation. Now, if something comes on down the line, maybe um, you know later on potentially, but as far as an early, um, you know, an early enrollment, I don't see it happening. Here's what I say: they're going to add somebody to this roster. My guess is at some point. You know, before the end of the semester to start the new semester. My guess is is that happens overseas. I don't see anybody. And as far as names go, I haven't gotten any uh, confirmation on any real names, but Mm -hmm. I expect them to add somebody, um, you know, to bring somebody in early. And I also expect them to add um, to the signing class of which they signed three last week. Um, You know, they're not done. You know, they want to uh, – to me, when I look at this team, it's got a, a chance to be a really special team. I think you need to find some guys that can really shoot the basketball. Now, Kansas has guys that can shoot the basketball. You know, the first two games they did a really good job. But when you're playing at Kentucky and you need to hit shots, you've got to be able to hit shots. So my feeling is, is they're going to try to add a guy that can come in at semester and, and bring some consistency to the outside shooting. Now, Now, when and where that happens, I'm not for sure yet, but that's – if I were to throw the dart at the board, that's that's kind of what I'd that's kind of where I'd aim it.
2: That's our man Shay Wilderbor on the men's basketball beat. Shea, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate the updates. All right.
3: All right man. You guys have a good night.
2: That's our guy, Shea Wildeboor, from the Allen Fieldhouse suite. Now we're gonna switch directions, go we're gonna pull up to football now, bring in our man John Kirby. John, let's quickly look back at the loss to Texas Tech last Saturday. Maybe for the last time, what are your thoughts on this game?
0: Oh, Randy, that's one. This is one of those games that when the season's over and you're looking at your bowl selection, you know you're gonna go back and kick yourself, thinking, "God, that was a game right there for the taking." And and there, you know, hey, you could probably say that about Oklahoma State, and you know, Mm -hmm. but 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 this one was a game. It was at home, and God, they came back in this thing. Jason Bean goes down, Cole Ballard comes in and plays well. true you know true freshman preferred walk on kid arrives on campus in june and it, everything was there, right, everything was right for this cool story to be written, and it just didn't play out. Listen, I thought Texas Tech, their defense has been up and down all year, but they do have good players. Randy, I said last week on the podcast, I said, going in that game worries me i I was uh-huh, clear i was I was clear about it that game worried me. But the thing is, Randy, it, it, I I was worried for all the wrong reasons. I was worried that Texas Tech would come in here and outscore KU. You know, beat them 41-38 or 38-34 or something like that. That was what my fear was. I would have never thought this was going to be a 16-13 game. So, you know, Texas D- Tech's defense, give them credit, man. They, they loaded the box. They shut down KU's run game. You know, Devin Neal had the one... Long touchdown on the option, but outside of that, they lined up and they took a physical fight to KU. But, you know, this team, they're never out of it. They just seem like they're always fighting. They're always clawing. They don't quit. Listen, when Jason Bean goes down, I mean, you could feel the air kind of go out of the stadium man, those kids responded that team. And that's just kind of where I think the program is under Lance Leipold and what his staff has done and the culture change that these kids believe they can be in anything. So, you know, Kansas is a team, and I've said this, Randy, things have to go right, okay? They are not talented enough. They are not... They don't have a lot of Jimmys and Joes running around in a lot of different positions that they can overcome things. So they need things to go right. So they didn't go right and and you know it was a 16 13 loss but now you move on to kansas state
2: you know, we have a huge game on tap this saturday john and our next guest is one of the most knowledgeable football people in our region you hear him on sports talk all over kansas city and he is the color analyst for the kansas state radio network he joins john and gives us a take on the sunflower showdown i'm talking about mr stan weber
0: We are going to get into the Kansas State game with Stan Weber, who is the color analyst for the Kansas State Radio Network. He's a former quarterback, and I know most people listening to this have heard him do several radio shows covering Big 12 football around the region. Stan, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, It's a great time of year. November football is uh, a lot of fun.
0: You know, before I get into Kansas State side of things, you and I talked off the air a little bit just about Mac football and the quality it can be. And, you know, what, what is your thoughts on Lance Leipold and the Kansas program of what you've seen since he's taken over?
1: I think he's done an excellent job. Uh, what he did at Buffalo, building that team. And my son now is a special teams coordinator for Toledo, and I'm learning a lot more about the MAC and and how it works. We know the great coaches that have worked their way through there. Gary Pinkle's getting inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame was a Toledo coach, Matt Campbell. But to see what Lance Leipold did at Buffalo and now have a better context with the study of the MAC that I've had is pretty amazing how he built, built that program. But the national championship pedigree that he had at Wisconsin Whitewater, we know a lot about that. Chris Kleiman, you went at North Dakota State and you win at any level, I think the philosophy that we should have about coaching is if you're playing against teams that are used to winning, think they're going to win, and the athletic ability of the two teams is pretty close, then that is as big a time of coaching as you're going to get. It's no different than the NFL or national championship level. It's all about beating teams that know they're going to win and have talent like you do and finding a way, and we've seen that with these two coaches in the state of Kansas. Lance Leipold and obviously Chris Kleiman both have proven it at other levels and they're bringing it to the big 12 level and it's the same thing they're convicted in what they do they have smart strategies and are used to playing at high level competition with great coaches against them and so I've been very impressed uh, and a chance that I had to talk with Lance Leipold uh, is really the the biggest influence I had I was able to talk to him At an event, we accidentally ran into each other, spent probably 30 minutes talking about football in the football world, the coaches we knew together, and the experiences, and I was so impressed. I mean, he really, it's not a surprise that he's getting things done, and so we got two amazing coaches right here in the state of Kansas.
0: You know, I wanted to start with Kansas State's offense. I mean, they're second in the Big 12 in scoring offense. You know, just talk about, Stan, talk about the offense and what has it done that's led them to be successful, and who are some of the players to watch?
1: Well, K-State is really balanced in their offense, not only in their numbers, but just in how they're going to call the plays uh, throughout any sequence. If it's first down or if it's third down, you really don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. Colin Klein is a brilliant offensive coordinator for K-State. They have a lot of diversity in their running game. There's a lot of tradition like old Big 12 football or Tom Osborne or Bill Snyder diversity in the running game remember when that used to be a big deal uh, k-state has that right now if it's jet sweeps uh if it's draws the quarterback run game option they'll have a little bit of everything and they're not scared to call it on third and seven so they're very unpredictable in what they're going to do and they got a quarterback that's very smart in will howard he understands football uh so well that he can really audibleize. he knows where to go with the football quick can make quick decisions and so k-state's uh team is, you know, reliant upon an offensive line that has all of its returning starters back from last year. They're really hitting their stride, obviously led by left guard, Cooper Beebe, who might be the best offensive lineman in the country He's going to be up for those type of awards. So the, the K-State offense really has a lot of balance. They don't care if they pass run quarterback run, they're going to just try to take what the defense gives them, keep the defense off balance, use all 53 and a half yards side to side and uh, you know, keep everybody on their toes not knowing what's coming. And so far, it's worked very well.
0: Moving over to the defense, you know, I was, I was looking at K-State's offense, looking at how good they are. Well, the big, their defense is also second in scoring defense in the league. So talk about what they do scheme-wise and what are their strengths, and, again, who are some of their guys to watch on that side?
1: Well, the strength of the K-State defense has really been when you get into the red zone, they've been able to keep people from scoring touchdowns boy, in modern football where there's more scoring, uh, it's a big deal to force field goals rather than touchdowns. So they're doing that at an unbelievable level, probably the best in K-State history. You don't know if that's going to continue every game throughout the rest of the season, but it's been a calling card. What they do schematically is they play that 3-3-5. You know, Iowa State brought it to the conference, uh, really invented that defense. K-State adopted it and has their own version of it. And as they continue to grow into their third year now, They're getting more comfortable with what it can do. Uh, It's got a lot of variability because, you know, in football, we say you have a 4-3 or a 3-4. Well, guess what? That's accurate. There's going to be seven guys up at the line of scrimmage and usually an eighth very quickly if if it's a running play, no matter what. So K-State can say they run a 3-3-5, but the fact is there isn't a guy assigned to be the seventh guy. What makes it hard to decipher for the offense is which guy is it going to be. It could be a safety. It could be a cornerback. Uh, it, it can be a linebacker who is going to fill these gaps. And it's what, what makes that defense a little hard to work against because it can come from different areas. What it means is you have to be adaptable. You got to be able to be physical. If you're a cornerback or a safety to get up and be a part of the running game right now, K-State's defense is really about a lot of good players. You know, you look around and you say, well, where are the superstars? They may not stand out to be all American players, But a guy that I've got to point out, because he's a local kid that a lot of people around here would know about, is Austin Moore. He walked on from Lewisburg, Kansas, and now he is a veteran for the Wildcats, a fifth-year senior. He's the most reliable defender. He sets the defense. He helps decide what they're going to do or what adjustments they're going to make right before the play starts. And he just doesn't make any mistakes. You know, he's just always where he's supposed to be, doing what he's supposed to do, and that's very helpful. K-State rotates a lot of players on defense. If I talked about the defensive line and those three positions, I'd have to name uh, seven different players. They are interchangeable. They rotate in, and you don't even notice who's in the ball game. They rely upon all of those guys. Jacob Parrish, the cornerback, is very notable. When he was injured against Oklahoma State, it made a big difference. K-State didn't play well that day. I think you'd have to say Jacob Parrish, the free safety, Marcus Siegel is a transfer from North Dakota state and he has taken to big 12 football very well. But, you know, I think you'd have to say Jacob Parrish, Marcus Siegel, Austin Moore, but it's really just about team defense and rotating guys through. And Joe Klanderman is one of the most underrated coaches in the, the country as a defensive coordinator. He's been with Chris Kleiman a long time. He is doing an amazing job of making calls on defense, adjusting throughout the ball game and doing that red zone defensive stuff. And Chris Kleiman deserves a lot of credit also because he's a defensive guru. He loves sneaking over there on the defensive side of practice and, and talking to the safeties because he's an old safety at Northern Iowa. So the defensive staff does an amazing job of putting the guys in good position and the players just kind of fight and claw. They may not all be superstar names. are going to be on all American lists, but they believe in each other. They believe in the system and they're executing it at a high level.
0: Stan I was trying to think back the last time you know these two teams entered with winning records like this and I remember there was 2007 and then I remember I remember 1995 I was in the stadium in Manhattan when Glenn Mason was coaching and I remember Kansas tied it up on a long pass play and I'm thinking all right we're going to have a ball game here it was 7 to 7 and Kansas never scored again <laughs> the rest of the game but you know it's kind of it's kind of nice to at least see some excitement and both teams coming in. So I'm just curious, you know, how do you see this matchup between the two teams?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of intrigue because they both are high level football teams. Uh, I think in modern football, you've got to be able to score to win. It's not like the old days where defense trumped out offense. I think you've got to be able to play good offense to be good. And guess what? These two teams play they great offense so any matchup they have like when k state played against texas and had to fight back you know down 27 to 7 you got to have the ability to score and k state does and you know kansas's offense has been off the charts the last 2 years so i think that both teams play really smart uh, modern football that works well to win in tough games like this ku being at home creates an advantage obviously uh, and k state uh, is a football team that just has a consistency and, and an ability to improve throughout the latter part of the year. You know, Chris Kleiman's best start at K-State after seven games has been five and two in his five years. But wow. after that, they really kick it into gear and play better football down the stretch. So K-State's at a good position right now, you know, playing really good, uh, sound. They, they understand what they are. They've solidified what plays they want to run, how they want to get things done. The offensive line is playing football better. So I think you're going to get a good version of K-State, a very focused version. And that means they're hard to beat. But Kansas, home field, a very good team, also top of the conference type of team. So I just expect, uh, with all the respect in the world, a very, very tough game. And I, though, am the wrong guy to ask because I kind of look at it that way a lot more than other people because I value uh, the rivalry, having seen Missouri and Nebraska not being able to be in our league anymore, I value so much that we get to see KU versus K-State. So I always have an additional respect for KU, like, oh, boy, you know, they're going to really bring it this game, and and that's obviously the mentality I have right now. It's been a long time since I played, but it's amazing that they, as an announcer, I kind of have that respect, like, you better be ready because this is a game against KU, and you got to play your best to, to be ready. So I think the state ought to be so proud with the fact that these two coaches, we started with that, right? We got dominant level coaches coaching right here in our state, and these two football teams. You look around with the Kansas City Chiefs and add that in, man, you're talking about one of the best places in football is right here. And it's going to be fun to see these two teams go at it. Obviously, a lot at stake, and um, just like that 1995 game you mentioned, that that was really the turning point with these two programs. Uh, at that point, uh, Bill Snyder was pretty even with Glenn Mason in the in the record. And that day, Kansas, ranked higher than K-State in 1995, by the way, uh, saw K-State put on the show of all shows. I think the final score might have been 41-7, to and K-State played perfect football all day long. And from that point on, K-State football launched itself forward, and KU football has struggled at that point. And it reminds you a little bit of that period in 1988 when they played in the Elite Eight in Detroit in basketball. Both teams were playing pretty even at that point. KU beat K-State in that game to go to the Final Four and come back to Kansas City. And from that point on, KU basketball launched to a whole nother level, to a national championship level. And K-State struggled all the way until Bob Huggins came. So those are two real markers. That 1995 football game was a big, for some reason, it had a big effect on both programs.
0: That is Stan Weber, our guest, giving us a great look at the Kansas State Wildcats. And Stan, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, let's just let's value this uh, chance to play against each other. KU and K-State, I hope it is a game that's played forever. You may, you're always nervous with conference realignment. What's going to happen in the future? So I value every chance to play uh, right here in the state of Kansas. So thanks for having me.
2: Kirby, great interview, and you know, you have to admit, Stan Weber does a great job covering the local teams, Kansas State, and the Big 12. Now let's get into this matchup with the Cats. Give me your thoughts and your prediction heading into this Saturday's Sunflower Showdown.
0: Oh man, Randy, see, so we, you know, we're recording a little earlier on Wednesday than we normally do, so I don't know if Lance Leipold is going to give any more information on Hawk Talk about Bean status, Mm -hmm. but... But I believe, this is me, and, and nobody said this, but I believe he's been, been in concussion protocol. That's just the way he was walked off the field, just the way the injury was. He didn't practice on Sunday. He didn't give it a go yesterday. So the pr- concussion protocol says you got to take one day. you got to basically do nothing. you got to be symptom-free. Then you can move into a second day, and you've, you move into some lighter workout. you got to be symptom-free. Then you can move into your third day. Well, Andy Kotelnicki told us this morning when we talked to him, Jason Bean came back to practice. He took a lot of reps. So, to me, this is the game. This really is the game. Um, where Where is the quarterback situation? And I'm going to get into what ifs here. I'll play the what if game. If Jalen Daniels was healthy and this game was going on, I'll tell you right now, I'll sit right here and pick Kansas to win the football game. Okay, But he's not healthy. Jason Bean, when he's fully healthy – Kansas can give Kansas state trouble. This could be a good game, but we don't really know what Jason beans health is right now. Now here's what else that does. How do you call the game? If you're Andy Kotelnicki. Okay. Great question. So if you're Kotelnicki, do you still play aggressive with Bean the way you would have last week, the week before the week before that, do you still do some of the things or now do you change it? So, to me, it that's the biggest thing. This is going to be a tough test, okay, for the KU defense because Kansas State is so physical up front and they do a lot of things in the run game. Brian Borland said today, they are like KU. They show a lot of different looks, a lot of formations, and they will show you a lot of different ways they run the football. Then you've got the quarterback run game. I think one of the biggest changes with this KU football team is is they are more physical on defense this year than they were last year. And I think that will help in a game against Kansas State. Um, You know, they're going to have to rotate the defensive line. They're going to have to keep bodies fresh. Hopefully, Devin Phillips will be back. When I look at Kansas playing defense, which is a huge part of this game, and I said this on the message board, I don't see Kansas State with a lot of receivers that concern me. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have guys that can make plays. Brooks is obviously, you know, he can change a game. He can do some things in special teams as well. But I would load the box. I would try to stop that run. And you got to have confidence in Mello and Kobe and maybe one high safety and, you know, keep eight guys in the box and see if you can go man up. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Another area I'm looking at, Randy, is special teams. Okay, KU's number one in the nation in punt returns. That's something that hasn't been talked about. This game in the this game in the past has been dominated, okay, by Kansas State and special teams. I mean, going back to the 90s, Kansas State has always won the special teams battle against KU. Um, I was looking at this gross punt yards. Kansas State's in like the 80s. KU's 129th in gross punt yards. Field goal percentage. K-State's 75th. KU's 85th. So, I mean, special teams is going to play a big part in this. You know, I, I thought Lance Leipold said something interesting that his players should be loose. They should go out and be loose. I thought the coaches and I thought the players today were loose. I think it's going to be a great environment. Okay. It's going to be a night game, night kick. I think it's going to be it's going to be sold out. There's going to be a lot of energy. But I keep going back to the quarterback situation. And I look at this, Randy, as if you gave me a hundred bucks right now. And you said, with the information that I know right now, you here's $100. Give me the p- – predict the score, the closest you can get, and you, I get to keep the $100. If I had to do that and I put everything down right now, knowing what I know, I just don't have enough information on the quarterback position right now to pick the Jayhawks. So right now, I think it's going to be a good game. I think the team's going to come out ready to fight. Lance Leipold has changed the mindset of these guys. They'll be ready to go. But without knowing where things are with that quarterback spot, right now I'm going Kansas State 31, Kansas 24. Give me yours.
2: Again, we are very close. I'm saying Kansas State 34, Kansas 24. I see the cats with with two field goals to KU is one. Um, I'm with you. I think that the quarterback situation has such a, an, just a far reaching impact on this game. If Jason Bean can play, that changes things pretty significantly. As you said, if Jalen Daniels were healthy coming into this game, I'm with you. I would be picking the Kansas Jayhawks right now. This does not mean I don't think they can win this game. But oh, as we've talked about several times this year, they They can absolutely win win.
0: they can absolutely win but but if i've got to predict a score as we're doing this podcast with the uncertainty at the most important position on the field yeah i just i i can't do it without knowing that
2: i i agree with you completely absolutely um so before we get into the visitor list for this game Kansas quarterback commit Isaiah Marshall was in town last weekend for his first game in the booth. He talks with Kirby about his trip back to Lawrence and the atmosphere for the game against Texas Tech.
0: We are joined by Isaiah Marshall, a quarterback from Southfield A&T who is committed to the Jayhawks. Isaiah, how are you doing? I'm doing great.
4: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for joining the show. I know we were just talking and you just got back from your unofficial visit to KU. You know, just tell me what it was like being back around the program.
4: Uh, you know, being back around the program was very good. The it was very excited. The it was great vibes there. Uh just seeing the coaches again was just great and you know, I can't wait to get back down there full-time in a couple months. You know, I was going
0: to ask you. You have you know, you've gotten to know all these guys and you've been to Kansas yeah. several times. So, like, what's this visit like? Is it just getting to know them better? Just tell me about what that visit's like after you've done this so many times.
4: Right. You know, I, I just think this visit is just, you know, just like you said, just getting to know them more and just more of a just seeing seeing them again. It was great seeing them again, Coach Z, Coach Liverpool, and Coach K. It was great seeing all, all, all of them guys again and just being able to uh, come to my first game this year. You know, I haven't been to a game since last year. So just coming to the game and seeing the atmosphere they have, and just you know, proud of the fans and how live it was. It was great to see too.
0: You know, obviously you hope to see a win, but but I I meant right. to ask you this. You know, you wish the outcome was better. It was a tough loss. So what what did you learn, and what was it like being around the team and the coaches after a loss like that?
4: Right. You know. Uh, so you know. You know they did lose, but. You know, just them still fighting and, you know, after the injuries they had with their quarterback situation and just them never giving up and just the coaches telling me after the game how they kept fighting, you know, and they never backed down. It was just it was just great to see and here, so
0: you know, I know there were some of the recruits were there. What other recruits did you have a chance to meet and get a chance to hang around?
4: Oh, uh, you know, Red Martel and Harry, uh they're also enrolling early too, so they're committed, and they're actually two great friends of mine. So I met them, because they was on the official visit with me, so I was chopping up with them. But you know, I uh, I, I can't wait to see them in January.
0: Isaiah, talk about this class. I know there's uh, what fifteen, sixteen guys committed. Are you guys all pretty close? Do you guys get a chance to stay in touch with each other?
4: Yeah, yeah. So you know, of course we uh, so we have group chats all together, and you know we talk all all the time whenever we get a new recruit or commit. We talk to him, we add him to the group chat, and, you know, we just get to know each other. So, uh, it's, you know, it's just great being able to have that and just being able to talk to them all. So that's a great thing.
0: All right, I saw you put up some big numbers. I saw you guys advance to the semifinals. Tell me about your last game and then your next game coming up.
4: Uh, you know, my last game was at Chippewa Valley. Um, they haven't lost a game at home in about two years. So being able to just come in their house and – being able to get the win meant a lot, and you know it was uh we're we're going to the semis I think this is like the second time in our program history, so that's good, and, you know just doing something good for the community and my teammates and coaches and then our next week we we played was Bloomfield that was our only loss this season, so being able to play them again, knowing we just have to make no mistakes, and knowing we can beat them is just great so we we're our team and coaches is looking forward to that game. Well, I know your focus
0: is on getting a win there, but, I mean, in less than two months, you're going to be arriving at KU to enroll full-time, man. I mean, it feels, it's got to feel a different feel for you, knowing that that's coming up. Yes, it does. You know, just tell me about that. You know, with two months away, you're about ready to be a full-time Jayhawk.
4: Yeah, uh, so, you know, it's just more of a just, of course, I'm focused on my season right now. I'm just trying to win a state championship for my team and, and my coaching staff, you know, me and uh, me and Jalen, Todd talk all the time about how fast it's coming. It came real fast, you know. It felt like it was just August two weeks ago. So it just came off fast. And me and Jalen is ready. And me myself and I, I'm I think I'm prepared and I'm ready to uh to leave and go start not a new life, but you know some some type of new life. So I'm just very I'm very excited. And I'm and I'm ready.
0: Well, Isaiah, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you just landed back from Lawrence, uh, from Kansas City on your visit and taking some time with us on the show. And good luck in your game this Friday night.
4: Of
2: course. Thank you so much. All right, John, final question. I know we were talking off the air, and you were telling me this is going to be one of the most loaded visitor lists that you have seen in quite a while. Give us the latest on what we can expect on the sidelines be visiting the Jayhawks this Saturday,
0: man, Randy, it is absolutely stacked. I, I don't know if I've seen a visitor list for a game like this in a long time. So, and and I'm going to be still confirming some names over the next 24 to 48 hours. I'll make sure and post those on the message board. There's also a couple guys I've heard that are coming. I'm going to talk about. I want to confirm that they are for sure. But I mean, you got to okay. start off. You got to start off with the guys who are committed that are coming in. Deshaun Warner. defensive end at a desert edge that's a huge one right I mean he's Mm -hmm. picked up he's picked up the Ohio State and the Michigan offers and I know everybody's been worried because listen those are two big time programs but he's he's coming in to see Lawrence again I think that's a great sign I've heard Damani Maxson the safety commits coming in David McComb the 2025 commitment uh, quarterback is coming in Carson Brunn Tight end out of Iowa who's committed will be in. And then we start looking at the guys that are coming. Locally, Bryson Hayes, wide receiver from Mays. Uh, Dezefan Walker, 2026 kid out of Ray Peck. I'm telling you, this kid is the real deal, man. He's a top 50 national guy. He's a four-star recruit. Uh, DeSan Brame from Derby, a four-star tight end. Dawson Merritt, linebacker from Blue Valley who got offered by KU last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Malachi Curvy, we've talked about him, linebacker out of Iowa. Kansas has spent a lot of time on him. He told me this afternoon he'll be there. Another kid right before we got on the podcast, he told me he will be there. Omarion Robinson, a defensive back out of Arkansas. He's got 22 offers. He's the number one player in the state of Arkansas. He's a four star prospect. Then I've heard I'm still trying to confirm Iosa Epinesa, a defensive end from Edwardsville in Illinois four star DN the number one player in the state of Illinois. I mean, this thing, Will Tompkins, offensive lineman out of Cedar Falls, Iowa. He's got a KU offer. He'll be there. Brock Heath, we talk about him a lot out of Blue Valley Northwest. Eli Johnson, a tight end out of River Falls, Wisconsin. He's got a KU offer. Caden Snyder, just did an article on him not too long ago out of Salina Central, 2026 offensive lineman. He said he'll be there hunter higgins defensive end out of may south 2026 kid he's got a ku offer i mean randy this thing this visit list is stacked and and i still think we can add a few more so kind of be tuned to the site for the next 24 to 48 hours
2: that is the final word for our man john kirby and that will do it for another edition of the inside slant podcast from Jhawkslamp.com. we brought you a little bit of everything From around Jayhawk Nation tonight, we heard from our man Shea Wildebor on the men's basketball beat. We talked about the big win last night over Kentucky, as well as updated what could happen as the team moves on to the Maui Invitational and looks to maybe add one more player for this year's roster on the recruiting trail. Then we switch gears. John and I talked about The loss to Texas Tech, we previewed the Sunflower Showdown against Kansas State. We welcomed in Stan Weber and Kansas quarterback commit Isaiah Marshall before talking about, as you just heard, what could be one of the biggest recruiting weekends for the Jayhawks in a very long time. For our man Shea Wildeboer, my buddy John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from Jayhawksland.com. We will talk with you again soon.
0: This has been a podcast from JayhawksLab.com.